This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover. Colleen Dieter from atxgardens.com. And um, Leah's out this week. You can call me with your gardening questions or text me too. 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. So give me a call. Let me know what you're thinking about for your garden, yard, trees, even vegetables. I was with one of my customers yesterday and she was getting ready to plant some of her winter coal crops, uh, things like cabbage and kale, collards, all those brassicas, broccoli and cauliflower. And um, yeah, I think it's a good time for that. Looks maybe like there's a cool down, dare I say it, uh, in the future next week and maybe a little rain and I was talking to my friend Ruth too and she she planted her vegetable garden this week uh, with the ve- winter veggies so it's time to get those little babies in the ground um, so you might be thinking about that make sure when you plant that you add a little bit of compost or worm casting something like that for the soil you're going to plant anything new in the vegetable garden the vegetables are real heavy feeders they need they need soil amending um i used to use cottonseed meal a lot that was a really good way to get a little nitrogen into the soil uh especially for the winter crops because they're leafy um those leafy plants need more nitrogen So that's one way of thinking about how to feed the plants this time of year when you're starting to plant. And yeah, it's almost October and it's time. Uh, You can, you know, if you plant this weekend and it's still really hot, um, I recommend putting some kind of shade over the garden, like a shade cloth or... um, even row cover, floating row cover, uh, which is like the same thing as like frost fabric, just to give the little new plants uh, a little shade while it's still, you know, really hot during the day. It can be helpful to them while they're trying to get established. And um, once they're established and the weather cools down, you can take it off. But um, I think just this week, you'll you want to do something to shade them from the hottest part of the day. And, you know, I've been finding more and more that, um, you know, in Texas, the vegetable garden really benefits from late afternoon shade. If you can position, if you're thinking about growing a new vegetable garden, I think positioning it where it gets sun until about 
one or two o'clock in the afternoon and then being in the shade after that is I think that's a really good way to go. I've, I've been finding I, several gardeners I know who have been growing tomatoes really in the shade, uh, way deeper shade than I thought would be possible. Um, you know, the sun here is just so bright. And I think a lot of the information that we get about vegetable gardening is from other parts of the world. And, um, you know, they're saying a lot of people say you need like eight hours of full sun for a successful vegetable garden. But I think around here, um, just getting morning sun is really good. One of the best gardens I ever had was under an uh, Arizona ash tree that lost its leaves in the winter. And um, that way, when you go to do the winter garden, it's still shaded when you first plant and it's still hot. Uh, but then as the plants, you know, get established and the garden starts to grow into the cooler season, the tree loses its leaves and then there's more sun. Um, and also the leaves falling on the garden was free mulch. So, <clears throat> so I recommend that. Uh, I've kind of changed my mind over the years about how much sun you really need for a vegetable garden in Austin. Um, I know my friend Megan was growing tomatoes in like almost full shade and they were fine. So <laughs> I was very surprised by that. And um, So give me a call with your gardening questions, 512-836-0590. And you can also text at that number or toll free, 877-590-5529. And I'm heading down to Poteet, Texas tomorrow to pick up a huge donation of seeds from David's Garden Seeds. Um, speaking of vegetable gardening, and I'm really looking forward to meeting David and seeing their operation down there, David's Garden Seeds. Um, and they're donating seeds for my organization, uh, Central Texas Seed Savers. And uh, did you know you can pick up seeds at almost all of the Austin Public Library branches? And you can also bring seeds to the library as well, that Austin Public Library and some of the suburb and exurb libraries too, um, including... Buda and Kyle and Round Rock, Pflugerville, Wells Branch Community Library. I'm pretty sure Hutto and Leander too. And you can bring seeds back to the library. <clears throat> At the Austin Public Libraries, you can package up your seeds, even if they're still on the stems or in the pods. And, you know, wrap them up real good. Label them with what plant it's from with the words for the seed library and the date you harvested them or at least the year so that we know how old the seeds are. 
and you can even put them in the book drop. And we have volunteers that go to the library once a month and clean and package the seeds to put them into little envelopes that go into the seed library collection. And you can volunteer to do that too. So you could check out the Austin Public Library website to find out information about that and how how to volunteer to clean the seeds. But I just want to encourage everyone to share seeds and bring seeds back to the library too. In addition to taking seeds out, you're very welcome to take seeds out anytime. But a lot of people don't realize that they can donate seeds to the library too. And um, it's a lot of fun, especially if you have something that you love growing that, you know, isn't available in the um, seed catalogs or at the nursery, you know, maybe something that was passed down in your family. We love to hear those stories. Um, You know, maybe you have some okra from your granddad or something like that. Kushaw squash and tatume squashes, things like that that are, you know, a little harder to find and really delicious and grow really well around here. That's what we're trying to do is encourage people to grow those vegetables that uh, do well around here but are harder to find and we're trying to preserve them through sharing. So we get more and more people growing them. Um, those vegetables are more likely to stick around. So, looks like I've got a text message here. Let me see. Okay, someone wrote in here and said, I have a shaded front yard where I planted hostas in the spring. I love them, but the drought and heat just about killed them. I also put a little black mulch on my flower beds. I'm wondering if it was just a drought and the heat or if I needed to add something to the soil when I planted them and possibly have left the black mulch, left off the black mulch or going with a different color mulch. Not sure what I'm aiming for or is, oh, not, I'm not sure, but what I'm aiming for is a full front flower bed and beautiful leafy green hostas. What can I do? Okay, so um, it's really hard to grow hostas here. Uh, Where I grew up in Ohio, hostas are staple plants. You see hostas everywhere. But down here with the extreme heat, it's really hard on hostas, Um, especially when it's over 100 over and over and over again. And the other thing about hostas is that everyone loves to eat them. Um, They're not deer-resistant. And they are very susceptible to slugs and snail damage. Um, The only time I've seen people grow hostas successfully is in pots. Um, There's something about them being sort of more elevated. Uh, I think that helps keep the um, slugs and snails from getting them. Uh, I think the better, a little bit better drainage in the pot than in the ground is. Something about growing them in pots seems like they do better. So if you really love hostas, I'd recommend getting a pot that you really like and um, trying one or two hostas in there instead of in the ground. And um, start looking for some hosta alternatives like 
leopard plant, also known as ligularia, um, that could give you kind of the same feel of the hosta, but a much more durable plant for Austin. Um, and the color of the mulch doesn't matter. You've got to have mulch. It's really important for the health of your plants to have mulch, but the color won't make a difference. Um, as far as I know, it's an interesting question if black mulch gets hotter than other kinds of mulch, but um, you just need to have mulch. So, yeah, so try the ligularias instead. And I'm going to talk after the break a little bit more about foliage plants. So we'll be right back. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. Call me with your gardening questions at 512-836-0590. You can also text me. The toll-free number is 877-590-5525. So I'm looking forward to your questions. You can call if you feel brave. If you're shy, you can text. And um, it's funny that someone uh, texted in asking about hostas and foliage plants because I just got a a text from a friend of mine with pictures from a vintage gardening book of plants with uh, beautiful foliage. So when I say foliage, I mean leaves. And uh, the picture was of a beautiful banana tree, which you can grow here. They don't often actually make bananas. Um, but there's, there's newer varieties that are cold, more cold-hardy. Japanese bananas and stuff like that that you could try for interesting foliage. They get really big. Um, another one of my favorite foliage plants that I think are really underrated are the canna lilies. That's C-A-N-N-A, canna lilies. Um, do well with some, a little bit of shade, um, even a lot of shade. The, the leaves will look really good. They won't bloom as much. So those are some of my favorite foliage plants. Um, and uh, there's a little tiny plant called white avens uh, that's native. It's a native wildflower because little white flowers, but I think the, the leaves are the prettiest part. And um, I know one of Leah's favorites is uh, the lyre leaf sage. Um that has like a purple stripe on the leaf and that can do full shade. So there's other ways to get some interesting foliage into our landscapes here in Austin. Um, okay, here's a text message and it says, morning, what can I do to encourage my leopard plants to bloom this fall or winter? That's a good question. Um, usually they bloom and I haven't had much trouble with them blooming. Um, they usually do it on their own, but, um, making sure that you have a nice 
light layer of mulch around them will help. Just an inch. Um, don't pile the mulch up against the stems. Don't let the stems touch the mulch. Okay, leave a little gap between the mulch and the stems. And just a nice, uh, like, one-inch layer of mulch. Uh, a little bit of compost usually won't hurt either. And you can just sprinkle some compost around them. And... Um, they should bloom on their own. Sometimes they won't bloom if they're brand new. Uh, so, and just a little, a little patience. <laughs> so, I uh, hope you get some blooms this fall and winter. Uh, I think I remember them blooming in the winter. Yeah, that's a little bit of a newer plant for me. I don't have a ton of experience with them, but I do enjoy them when I see them. Um, hey, I, I want to let y'all know about something special uh, that I have going on. I just launched something new on my website, atxgardens.com. It's my uh, fruit tree calendar. This is a digital calendar that you can download onto any device using any calendar software. So if you use... Apple Calendar, iCal, or Google Calendar, or Outlook, whatever you have. Um, you can download this calendar that I created, and it will show you when to do your fruit tree tasks. And it's easy to download. It comes with instructions, and it's for sale on my website at atxgardens.com. So it's like having me in your back pocket telling you today's the day to spray the fruit trees or today's a great day for fertilizing your fruit trees. And it includes uh, information about peaches, plums, pears, apples, you know, all the palm fruits, Palm fruits are the ones that have cores. And all of the stone fruits. Stone fruits are the ones that have little pits. Like peaches, plums, and nectarines. And then there's also information in there about citrus and uh, figs, too. So check that out. If you're always wondering, when's the right time to prune the trees? I can't remember. Um, you'll have that automatically in your electronic calendar at atxgardens.com. Okay, I think we've got a couple more text messages here. Thanks, y'all, for texting. I heard you talk about root-bound trees in a previous episode. What about perennials? I bought some little blue stem in two-inch pots. I took them out of the pots. The bottom of each was completely covered in roots. What should I do? Steve and Leander. Steve, great question. Um, thank you for that good question. So, yes, it's the same thing for perennials. It's not as serious with perennials as trees um, because with trees, those kind of Girdling roots will strangle the tree as the tree ages. Um, with perennials, it's not as huge a problem, but you can accelerate 
uh, there are studies that have shown that you can accelerate the growth of the plants by loosening those roots and um, at planting time. So if you can kind of tease them apart, uh, what we call tickling the roots, try to loosen them up, that's really good. Sometimes with grasses, like little bluestem, um, the grasses, sometimes the roots are so tangled that you can't really loosen them with your hands and you've just got to go ahead and cut them either with your pruners um, or you can even cut the bottom one quarter to one third. Just use a an old bread knife or an old pruning saw and cut that bottom quarter to one third of the root ball off completely. Um, and it, it'll give the, I know it's counterintuitive, um, but it gives the plants a good head start um, and gets them growing faster. So uh, go ahead and do that. And I'm so glad that you found little blue stem somewhere. That is a hard plant to find. Where'd you find it, Steve? That's great. Um, here's another text. Would liquid fish fertilizer be good to put on my newly planted kale? Yes, in general it is um, a good idea. I would dilute it a little bit more than what they recommend on the, um, on the label. So uh, usually it's like one ounce per gallon of water. Maybe do half an ounce instead um, just to give them a little boost. And even better than liquid fish fertilizer for newly planted plants would be uh, liquid seaweed. Uh, seaweed is a really gentle feeding for them uh, that has more of the hormones and micronutrients in it that the plants need when they are first trying to get established and they're in a stressful situation. And then after they get established, the liquid fish fertilizer is great to give them the nitrogen that they need. But yeah, if you've got the liquid fish fertilizer on hand, yeah, go ahead and put that on there. Just dilute it a little bit more um, to start with. And the, the cool thing about the fish fertilizer is it's going to also feed the, the microbes, the microbiology in the soil and they're there to support the plants and help colonize the plants to give them more food and protect them from diseases so you'll be feeding those little microbes in the soil too okay y'all i have another text message that we're gonna get to after the news welcome to the horticulture hangover on news radio klbj you're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And this is the Horticulture Hangover. You can call with your gardening questions or text 512 836 0590 or 
And Steve and Leander got back to me about Little Blue Stem. He said he got his at Red Barn Garden Center, of course. Um, he said he bought them. He bought them out. Don't know if they've gotten any more. And the Wildflower Center plant sale is open now to members, and they have Little Blue Stem on their list. Um open October 2nd to October 29th for nine non-members. So check out the Wildflower Center's website. It's wildflower.org. Uh, if you're interested in getting some little blue stem, um, really good native grass that's hard to find and real beautiful too. So um, got a couple other texts here. Uh, someone texted me a sad tree picture it says half of my red oak tree has brown leaves and it's leaking sap what might be the cause and what should i do pictures on the way and i see that the the trunk is cracked um there's like long cracks on the trunk with uh sap dripping out and um believe it or not with the red oaks it might still be um recovering from the cold damage from the freeze, uh, the ice storm that we had, and even the deep freeze that we had last December. Um, sometimes it takes a really long time for uh, cold damage to become evident in trees because the damage happens under the bark and we can't see it. Um, I really recommend getting an arborist out, someone who is certified with the International Society of Arboriculture. Look for a consulting arborist in this case. Um, my friend Misty Perez is a consulting arborist. She could come take a look. Or my other friend Rebecca Johnson, too, um, could come take a look at it. I think it's worth it uh, to find out exactly what's going on and um, see if that tree is viable. So I'm really sorry about your little red oak. The red oaks got hit really hard in the cold events that we've had the last few years. Um, so look for a consulting arborist and someone who is certified with the International Society of Arboriculture, the ISA. Another great question here over text. Is it okay to use once shredded mulch in a garden? It's from the last ice storm, trees, and it's free. Yes, I love free wood chips and free mulch. No problem there. Um, there's a few downsides that you should know about. Um, it sometimes has weeds in it. Uh, there might be weed seeds in there since it's everything that anybody brought to the brush dump. Um, so it might have seeds riding in on it. Uh, it also might have poison ivy in it. If you're allergic to poison ivy, the poison ivy, you know, might uh, have been growing on the trees that got cut down uh, or the branches that got cut off. And so uh, be aware of that. People do get poison ivy from the free mulch sometimes. Um, it can, uh, you know, there is research that shows that the 
wood chips as they're decomposing can uh, remove nitrogen from the soil. Um, but I don't think that's a good enough reason to not use it when it's free. Um, if you can do, make sure that you're adding compost to the garden as well. Um, and if it's a vegetable garden, you'll want to add some light organic nitrogen sources like cottonseed meal or liquid fish. Um, and then you should be just fine in terms of the nitrogen needs of the plants. So, um, yeah, I'm all about the free mulch. And, you know, I was at the Texas Tree Conference last week, and we were there were a couple of presentations about the great benefits of wood chips, specifically for trees, and how um, mulching your trees with wood chips can help protect them from uh, certain diseases. Phytophthora. I thought it was really interesting. So, um, yeah, the wood chips are great for everybody. Um, okay, let's see here. And got another question over text. Good morning. I have a plumeria tree that got beat up by the hailstorm last week. Oh my gosh, I know. I didn't even talk about the hailstorm. The hail broke a couple of the tops off left me with just the stock. What can I do to save it? Should I cut off the beat up leaves? And um, yeah, with the plumerias, um, you can just cut off the beat up leaves for sure, um, cause they're not gonna heal. And um, just, Leave it alone. Um, if you, it, it, it's really important for for you to just leave it and let it heal up and get better, and um, give it a little seaweed, liquid seaweed fertilizer would really help too. So I'm so sorry about your plumeria. That's really sad. Um, but we're gonna go to a break now. Thanks. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And I want to tell you at atxgardens.com, I have a new product available. It's a fruit tree calendar that is downloadable on any device. And um, it's like having Colleen in your back pocket on your phone where I'm there to tell you today's the day to prune your fruit trees. Today's the day to spray the fruit trees. Um and it's available for sale there at atxgardens.com. It's a universal ICS file that it's easy to download, comes with instructions, custom made, um, to make it really easy to get that information right onto your phone or any device. And um, 
So I've got some text messages here. Uh, someone texted with a picture of kale and um, said, when planting my new kale, I noticed a couple of old kale plants survived the summer. Well, that's shocking. Um, and the question is, should I leave them where they are or try to transplant them next to the new kale? And uh, I think I would leave them where they are because they have right now, they're benefiting from an existing root system that is uh, clearly extremely durable, uh, that they made it through this horrendous summer. So I'm very impressed by those little plants. And, um, you know, those are the plants that you want to save seeds from uh, if they taste good. You know, if you enjoy eating them and that those particular plants taste good and they made it through the drought, I think it's a really good idea um, if they ever bloom to keep at least one of them and collect the seeds from them because then you'll get the benefits of those genetics of those plants that are so incredibly durable Um and then you could grow them from seed and uh, have those good characteristics for the next generation. And you could uh, save, share some of those seeds with others at a seed swap or through the libraries. So um, that's really cool. But I would leave them in place. I wouldn't bother transplanting them because if you transplant them, then you're going to mess up all the roots and they're going to be happier if you can leave them in the spot where they are. Um, love this question. I received a bucket of kelp meal from my elderly neighbor who has moved to assisted living. I always make my own compost. Can I add that to my compost area, which is about 20 feet by 20 feet? It's a five gallon bucket of kelp meal. Absolutely. That is a gift. Kelp meal is expensive and it is awesome. So if you get free kelp meal, yes, you definitely can put that in the compost pile and your compost pile will benefit from that. Um, if you have a vegetable garden, you can add it to the vegetable garden. It is awesome for vegetables. Um, great for fruit trees too. Uh, so kelp meal is wonderful and yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I've definitely inherited, uh, like moldy <laughs> organic fertilizers in the past from people where if they're like really old and kind of yucky, I won't put them directly on the plants, but that's really good for the compost pile. Um, you can just mix it in there and, uh, the compost will definitely benefit from that delicious kelp meal. So we've just got a few minutes left. Um, if you have a text message for me, you can text at 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. And uh, speaking of seed swaps, our big Central Texas Seed Savers, big annual seed swap is coming up. October 28th at the Central Library downtown, downtown Austin from 11 to 1. 
Um, it's such a fun event. You can bring any kind of seeds that you have. Um, it's a great way to get to know other gardeners if you're new to Austin or just looking to make some gardening friends. Um, everybody gets together and talks about the seeds that they brought. Even if you don't have seeds uh, to bring, you should come. And you can still take seeds, even if you didn't bring any seeds, because um, there's always plenty of seeds. Uh, plants are very generous. Um, plants are really, really good at making seeds. Um, people also will bring plants to share, and not just seeds, but plants that they don't need anymore, or divisions, bulbs, things like that. Um, that all of that is welcome as well. So it's free. It's a free event. Come on down to Austin Public Library Central Branch downtown for the seed swap on October 28th from 11 to 1. It's really fun. I look forward to it every year. I've done it for several years now. Um, and it's just a really good feeling getting people together to talk about plants that they love. Um vegetables, herbs, native plants, you know, flowers from your cutting garden, even seeds that you bought, you know, that you're not going to use, even seeds that are old, seeds that are, you know, you're not sure about, go ahead and bring them. It's fine. Somebody will be willing to take them and try them. Um, you know, it's, I find it hard. I have a small garden and I find it hard to use a whole packet of seeds in one season and um you know I'll take those seeds to over to the seed swap to share with everybody. So and make sure you check out my website at atxgardens.com and I'm Colleen Dieter and this has been the Horticulture Hangover Show. And uh, we're going to wrap up for the day. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week.